0: This is Talking Points, Kent's Politics Podcast. Hello and welcome to Talking Points Kent's Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Oliver Kemp, and I'm joined as usual by the
1: KM's political editor, Paul Francis. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing well, thanks, Ollie. Been a couple of weeks, isn't it? We had a week off last week. We had a week off in what turned out to be quite a busy political week, so we're making up for it this well, week. Well,
0: you can blame Storm Kira, because that was the reason you weren't able to get over to the office, oh, yes, and we were both right. in all sorts of places. So Storm Dennis hasn't stopped us this week, which I'm quite pleased
1: about. And we haven't... Uh we didn't have the technology to do it remotely, did we? No, so, we
0: probably could have worked it out, but it seemed. I think it, it, it felt like it would, it would be very confusing. I think so. we need to
1: take baby steps in our podcasting <laughs> career. Yeah, no, the no, no, walk before you can run. I think. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: So we've got a lot of things to talk about this week, but I think the, the thing we need to talk about the most, uh, thing at the top of the agenda is the Kent County Council budget. So Paul, over yeah, to you. Yeah,
1: uh, this is the, uh, the the meeting where our elected representatives all 80 plus of them decide how much they're going to charge for council tax and uh, spend on some of these services that uh, a lot of people use and uh, there were there were some signals according to the conservatives that is that uh, the government was kind of signalling an end to austerity by giving councils slightly more money than they've previously had because of what's happened during the period of austerity is that local government has uh, had to take a disproportionate burden when it comes to cutting their uh cutting money from their kind of spending but you know it was hard to see in some ways why they were uh, claiming this because you know council tax bills are going up 4% 2% for general services 2% for adult social care uh they they've had to save around 29 million pounds this year uh, and although they've been given one-off money for uh, uh, to inject into adult social care, there's still no real kind of you know uh, long-term solution to what is the the single greatest pressure on, on councils uh, is this issue of um, how they're going to deal with more and more people getting getting older. Basically, um, so it was a, it was an interesting budget, and one of the one of the notable uh, things about the budget which uh is is sometimes you don't get very notable things in council budgets, but this <laughs> this did strike me as politically interesting was that uh, labor proposed investing around four hundred thousand pounds into uh recruiting more youth workers to uh be out in the community helping uh, young children uh and that's after a period in which kind of basically cuts to youth services and some of these preventative services have, have basically been uh, stripped year on year. Mm. So Labour put forward a proposal, they wanted £400,000 to to invest in uh, detached youth service workers and, you know, I've become accustomed to uh, opposition party amendments and Proposals just to be voted down straight you know, straight away by the Conservatives. But the Conservatives actually agreed to spend this money. They agreed on the Labour policy? They did, yeah. Ooh. So there was a, a vote, and uh, the vote was something like 70 county councillors for and no county councillors against. Wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, in the context of, um, you know, the, the politi- political kind of um, debate and uh, discussion... That is quite unusual. Mm. And I was I was thinking, I think maybe one of the reasons why the Conservatives supported it was maybe that um, it's a signal under its new leader, Roger Goff, um, that there may be a more consensual approach to uh, politics at County Hall than was previously the case. Uh, and I and there's a part of me that thinks that um, accepting this Labour proposal was actually designed to kind of uh, say hey we're going to do things a bit differently now
0: mm, extend the olive branch a little bit yeah I, I mean and also when we were last on the podcast we were talking about the fact that cases he had come forward and said we want to extend relationships out to um internationally to to european countries despite brexit and that maybe we are seeing a little bit of a wind change in in, in what's going on on a county level with our politics
1: yeah i i mean you know the conservative leader uh, roger Goff, is a you know different uh politician to the former leader, Paul Carter. Uh, and I think his approach is going to be marked by, uh, as I say, a kind of uh, a friendly approach to uh, the other parties where there is, you know, common cause and where it can be uh, funded uh, without too much of a detrimental impact on other parts of the budgets. And mm. uh, Labour Labor justified this plan by saying, "Well, we've worked out that the county council is spending six million pounds a year on uh, outside venues for conferences, staff meetings, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Six million was yes, that? Yes, although that that was a that, uh, that that was a bit of a fudged figure. Um, it was six million pounds. wasn't actually spent on hotels or outside conference venues. It covered a whole range of different things. But either way, you know, the Conservative administration accepted the money was there, accepted that it was a good uh, proposal, and voted for it.
0: Well, an age of collaborative politics, yes, maybe. Yes, I know, Exciting. yes, strange, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Yeah. And and there was, uh, I think you wanted to talk as well about this idea that it's been hailed as the end of the austerity period, or that, that had been something that had been mentioned.
1: Yes. Is there much legroom in that, you think? Uh. Well, uh, you know, it's probably slightly overstated. And I think, you know, one of the issues that does need addressing is this whole issue of how councils with social care responsibilities are going to pay for uh, the escalating number of uh, people with, with care needs in the future.
0: Which, let's be honest, £400,000, whilst a, g- a good thing to put into yeah. health and social care, isn't going to solve the
1: problem, is no, it? No, it's not. Uh, and it's, there are there are other issues addressing the uh, children's services for for safeguarding uh, vulnerable children. One of the the things away from austerity though was what struck me was this um, uh, sort of signs that the County Council was embracing the uh, climate emergency uh, agenda
0: Yeah, Um, and as as many of our listeners will probably know, last year was a year that we saw a lot of district and borough councils declaring climate emergencies. Only a couple left in Kent that actually didn't, so it's it's clearly something that is now on the agenda at this level.
1: Yes, uh, we were talking earlier, before we started the podcast, about how, you know, in my experience of, uh, and I've had lots of experience of budgets, uh, council Poor budgets. You. Yes, I know, someone's <laughs> got to do it, and it's, it's fallen to me to do it. Is that, you know, if you look back over the past three or four years, you probably wouldn't see any reference at all to climate emergency or uh, addressing the you know carbon neutral targets. This budget was very explicit about uh, that element of uh, what the council needed to do in terms of uh, tackling climate emergency, uh, doing something itself uh, as a, you know, a big organisation, the biggest employer in Kent still, despite everything, uh, what it could do to reduce its carbon uh, output.
0: And uh, one of these was uh, going electric with its cars, right? Yes. So,
1: drumroll, the big, <laughs> the big, big factor, big decision was, uh, when it wasn't a decision, it was an announcement that they were going to trade in their, um, what was described by the deputy leader, Peter Oakford, as gas-guzzling Volvos. <laughs> they were going to exchange their gas-guzzling Volvos, which are used to kind of basically ferry the, the chairman and uh, various senior county councillors around on official business, four one oh we didn't get out quite Oh, sorry i've
0: done two now uh, i feel uh, i feel like i've yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll gone we'll right over really there.
1: there yes uh they were going to substitute these three cars for one single electric car that, or, that was or, it or possibly a hybrid i feel like the drummer wasn't really wor- yeah, worthy, it's to be probably, honest. yeah it didn't warrant it particularly but you know again uh another gesture perhaps uh, of a different way of uh, looking at some of these issues um you know, it's not going to make a massive difference, really, in terms of their carbon footprint. Uh, but it's kind of one of these v- visible signs.
0: Yeah, it's a t- it's a bit of a, a notional idea, isn't it? And it's it's the idea that if you, you you think about the way that you're using transport, and it's almost it's setting an example, I yeah, suppose, is, yeah. as, as the
1: biggest employer in Kent. Yeah. You know, but th- there was some irony in uh, the the budget meeting uh, because um, prior to this announcement the Liberal Democrats had suggested that uh, there needed to be spent... Uh, they wanted £250,000 more uh, this year and next year to be spent on installing uh, charging points for electric vehicles. Oh, because there aren't enough throughout because the county. There aren't enough mm. around the county, uh, but that got voted down. <laughs> so we, we might be in this period of when, you know, we might cover the chairman's visits a bit more uh, regularly when they get an electric car, just to see whether there are charging points available. Maybe maybe
0: you'll be taking the train more often yes. than not because of the lack of charging points. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, electric cars, um, or electric car, perhaps we should say, is you know uh, a symbol of the, perhaps the county council's... Uh, direction of travel i think is a horrible phrase they use the
0: yes yeah. um, we'll be we'll be following the, the chairman's visits uh, across the county in yes. the electric car on this podcast in the coming months
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> talking points ken's politics podcast
0: another thing we haven't obviously talked about yet because we we haven't been having a podcast since this has happened um, the reshuffle cabinet reshuffle in central yeah. government
1: this is pretty pretty big well it was another occasion when you know the the political correspondents got it all wrong because uh, we were expecting it to including be. Including you, right? Including me, yes. Hold your hands up. Paul. I hold my hands up as guilty as charged. Uh, but, you know, the briefing was that this was not going to be a major kind of reshuffle uh, and that the key key cabinet jobs were kind of, you know, intact and secure. And what happened? We lost the Chancellor, Sajid Javid.
0: Yeah, the uh, the, the shortest serving Chancellor in 50 years. Yeah,
1: not a record that he probably... Relishes having, but probably um, not. He, you know, I think what was interesting about this whole episode was the uh, kind of light it shone on the, uh, you know, the the role being played by some of uh, uh, Boris Johnson's kind of advisers, you know, notably uh, Dominic Cummings. Uh, and uh, so we're told, or led to believe, that um, Stacey Chavez was told that he'd have to sack all his own special advisors and uh, work under the Downing Street team which the, he felt was he couldn't stomach so he uh so he quit because he talked about the demands that were
0: unreasonable didn't he that yes. was one of the, the wording that he and used
1: and he i think it was quite telling his phrase that no he said no uh no no minister in their right mind or worse to that effect would you know tolerate having to you know make a deal in which he forced him to sack the people he had around him uh, as special advisers, yeah
0: because i think people don't realize that that when you're a minister and you're in that position of power the people that you have around you are essential yeah they are there you know you can't do that job on your
1: own no so. they and they are you know experts in that field you know uh and uh as you say a kind of work you know work as a team and but you know the, the argument that was being put forward by boris johnson camp was that you know actually the there's been too many occasions in the past when there hasn't been a united team uh, between you know ten and eleven Downing Streets, and that's absolutely true because most governments have fallen or been fractured uh, by differences between the chancellor yeah. and the prime minister. You know, I mean, so I'm I mean, even
0: thinking about the last leadership where you had Theresa May and, and Philip, Philip Hammond, Hammond yeah. and some and 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 some of that stuff around PFI where where. Philip Hammond was talking about, you know, we need to think about the second, the second round of, of private finance initiatives, and then Theresa May saying they've been scrapped, and there was this whole confusion in the budget, and it yeah. felt like there wasn't any communication
1: happening between ten and eleven, as you say. And before that, Labour's troubles under uh, Gordon Brown and Tony Blair, yeah, you know, the, uh, the the kind of uh, the bad vibes which went there, which were going on there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but oh, go on. I know he's got you another got, point. I'm just no, I'm, just, I'm preempting. Before we get lost in, uh, onto another subject, uh, there was some better news for two Kent MPs. Just quickly uh, note those. Uh, that was the appointment of Fav- the Faversham and Mid-Kent MP, Helen Waitley, as a minister in the social care uh, her, under Matt Hancock, the minister for the NHS for the health, or the health minister. Mm-hmm. So she got a kind of promotion... Uh, and uh Kelly Tolhurst, the Rochester and Strued MP, moves over to the Department for Transport in you know, a junior ministerial responsibility. So some, you know, a couple of couple of MPs in Kent uh, moving slowly up the ladder. Mm, absolutely. Maybe uh, maybe Kelly would
0: we'll be able to talk a bit about the uh Issues with Southeastern Rail and well, quite. Yeah, I mean, comments.
1: what's interesting is that actually they're both in appointments in jobs which are going to be very high profile. You know, we touched on this issue of adult social care, how, how the NHS is going to cope, and obviously transport. Whole issue can kind of rail franchises, High Speed Two, and uh, which are probably above Kelly's uh, pay grade at this particular stage. But nevertheless, they're in very interesting departments. Yeah, I mean, and the High Speed Two was
0: confirmed. The plans were confirmed this yes, morning, weren't was they? that so last
1: week as well? Goodness, we did miss a lot. Yeah, so, yeah, there has been a lot. going on. I mean, yeah. we
0: did talk about High Speed 2 a few weeks ago, didn't we? Because we were talking about the impact of it and how High Speed 1 was used as a little bit of a... a, a almost like testing the waters for what could happen in the north yes. and, and conversations around that and the northern powerhouse. And the, the, there's, there's so much to be done there. So it would be interesting to see how our Kent MPs are yeah. potentially involved in some of those
1: future plans. Think, uh, just going back quickly to the Cabinet reshuffle... Uh, because you mentioned High Speed 2 the, um, there, there's, there's some people who sort of uh, speculated that um, Dominic Cummings the special advisor to Boris Johnson who was against High Speed 2 uh, maybe there was a, some kind of deal where Boris got High Speed 2 because he was in favour and Dominic Cummings got uh, got rid of the Chancellor <laughs> Oh wow, some bro, shady quid, deals going bro, on but that may be a conspiracy too far who knows Put your for hat on everyone Yeah um, we want to talk
0: about one more thing before we go to the jargon um, which means Paul I'm dropping something from the from the, yeah. from the plans which we'll leave for next week um, police and crime commissioner elections oh because, we, we, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no hold on a minute yeah yeah well, I'm dropping Op Brock too no we need Op Brock too uh, yeah. I don't want to talk about do you know what do you know why I don't want to talk about Operation Brock because I feel like we're constantly talking about Operation Brock yes but it's Go simple. on, Paul. Yeah. Come on. No.
1: Operation Brock 2, the sequel. The sequel, yeah, or rebooted as Operation Brock Mark 2. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I kind of know how you feel. You, you know, you're fed up with hearing about Operation Brock and Operation this, that, and the other. But and yet, uh, yeah, it is actually the single most uh, interesting uh, announcement we've had uh, in the last week or so because it directly impacts on Kent. And what the uh, Transport Minister, Grant Shapps, has announced is this plan for uh, a system which involves a kind of mini-me operation, Brock, whereby uh, the the M20 is going to be um, kept open all the time under any conditions by virtue of having this specialist kind of uh, uh, vehicle which is capable of um, unravelling a large barrier to uh, mark out lanes where traffic will have to go if there are difficulties crossing the channel caused by, not by not necessarily by Brexit, but by bad weather, yeah. st- striking French people. Um, that sounded like people were striking yes, French yes, people hitting them. Uh, yeah, but... P- French people on strike. <laughs> Confirm um, that. Yeah. And so he's con- he's confirmed that they're going to invest in this new technology and he he's claiming that this will keep the M20 free flowing for all traffic at all times the uh, what's you know put that aside that is interesting in itself but what's also interesting is that as a result of this decision the Department of transport has given up finding trying to find a place for a lorry park in Kent oh interesting okay uh, uh, and that's uh, th- that is almost as interesting as well you know in my view probably more interesting because it, the, the government's line has has been always that we are going to find a location for a lorry park in Kent uh, or a series of lorry parks. And up until now, uh, that has been the the kind of policy and the position, but it's been scrapped. It's just been dropped completely. And I think part of the reason for that was that the the logistics of building a lorry park for 3,000, 4,000 HGVs were probably fairly monumental in terms of, you know, engineering challenges (laughs) and, you know, the idea of getting three or 4,000 HGVs off a sort of lorry park site close to the M20, can you imagine, you know? What it sounds they, like a lot of work. A lot of work, yeah, yeah. A lot of speculation,
0: a lot of work. It's not going to be something that will be installed quickly. Exactly, um, and
1: it might come up against planning, permission issues, environmental mm. issues. So I, I think they, they, they the Department of Transport couldn't afford to say we have stopped looking for a lorry park without offering something in return. And I think that's probably what's been going on behind the scenes. And in here. return,
0: we have the return of OPROC uh, and rep- Operation Rock. Yeah. Well,
1: we'll obviously keep up to date on how
0: on how that rollout's working and whether the flexibility actually does help yeah. that road or not. But it's um, one of these
1: things which you won't know whether it's going to succeed until it happens. Until it a bit like does this, or does not. A bit like our
0: podcast. <coughs> well, exactly. Um, since you smashed through my editorial decision <laughs> yeah. to ignore Op Brock, we'll, 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 we'll not talk about police and
1: crime commissioner no. elections. We'll leave because that for that, next week. That is so interesting that I think oh, we want to be. You you want to be here for that People one. People want to hear about the police We do a whole show.
0: week of that, just a whole episode. Yeah. And before we go, uh, jargon of the week. Oh, now, yes. This is, I'm going to read some of this out, and then I'll get you to sort of explain, because... Oh, no, I won't be able to explain. Oh, well, I mean, well that's, that's... Read, it, that's the read thing, it, it Well, so basically, what we're talking about is EBAC, the English Baccalaureate, which is apparently some way of explaining the ability of students through GCSEs and a new, a new method of working out... The. uh, See, I I don't even. I'm just going to read this. So, the EBAC APS calculates a pupil's average point scores across the five pillars of the English baccalaureate, allocating points to a pupil's best grades and dividing by six the sciences count in two pillars meaning a total of six pillars to create an average point score per pupil the measure is an average across the subjects i.e we divide the total by six and so is on the different scale to the attainment eight which we calculated by simply word simply awarding points score across eight qualifications
1: without dividing the total there you go you just destroyed our listenership there. because they the, all the, they're left. all gone yeah switch the often yes well uh, I mean what the hell is that yeah I have no idea right. Uh, but but it's all part of the uh, kind of government's uh, uh, obsession with uh, measuring pupils' progress and there's there's nothing wrong with you know measuring classroom standards at all but uh when these you know league tables are published as they were a week or so ago uh i you know if you're a parent you know trying to get your head around some of these kind of indicators and explanation of these indicators is um you know v- Pretty tricky tricky. Well, I mean, uh, if, you if don't understand a, it. I've no really clue. Understand. And
0: if, if you're as a parent go, Well, my child's e back score is this, how are you gonna work out what they need to improve on? Because it's yeah, so confusing. It is
1: very confusing, but uh, you know, I can see a uh, we might be edging to a point where actually the government decides not to have these league t- league tables because no one really uh understands them. No one really um takes much notice of them, particularly. I mean I think parents do take notice of schools. Which are inspected by Ofsted and Ofsted reports, but I think this is kind of there's a diminishing um, amount of interest in this kind of stuff just because it's so complicated.
0: Yeah, I mean that. that I mean that
1: paragraph there made me want to fall asleep. Yes. So and I was reading it. Maybe they should have used that in the kind of maths GCSE. You know.
0: Oh yeah. A kind of, can you, know, you work can out you work, your own e-bag? You, yes. Yeah. You
1: I mean- you have X points formulate your your EBAC your EBAC score yeah using a complicated algebraic measurement hey
0: maybe you should be writing these papers Paul. I should be yeah maybe you Definitely, should yeah. um, well thank you to everyone for listening once again uh, we'll be back next week obviously we'll talk about the PCC elections because I know everyone's excited yeah. don't give too much away no sorry no just a little teaser but thank, thank you Paul um, thank you and, uh, Ollie see you next week
1: Talking Points Ken's Politics Podcast